To understand whether or not your influencer marketing campaign is successful, you need to know how to measure that success. With influencer marketing transitioning from a marketing fad to mainstream marketing, there's an increased need for professional presentation of the media buying opportunities. Influencers can no longer get away with merely presenting their follow account and a few screenshots. In this episode, I'm talking with Anthony Richardson, who's the founder of Q83 and is tackling this problem with a unique set of tools. Welcome to Fractal Marketing. So Anthony, thank you so much and welcome to the episode. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me, mate. Of course, of course. So let's jump straight in because I'm really keen to hear the pitch about what Q83 does because unlike most businesses I speak to, Q83 doesn't tell me a huge amount about the business. So what does Q83 do? No, so it's actually quite simple and absolutely you're right. That name doesn't give you much information whatsoever. (laughs) But what we do is we professionalize influencer marketing. We've taken, I guess, the lessons learned of 20 years of digital, of sharing media kits, having an independent third party to verify the metrics that publishers in the digital landscape share with media buyers. And we've taken that and we've brought it into influencer marketing. So we provide influencers with tools to share their value to a brand that's verified by us being an independent auditor, so to speak through a media kit, but also through reporting as well. Okay, right. So, I mean, there's there's lots of players in the space, obviously, different people are tackling influencer marketing in different ways. Is that the problem yeah. you, you really identify there, that the stats and what influencers were presenting forward weren't verified and they weren't being checked? Is that what you sort of found was the main problem you were solving? Yeah, correct. Honestly, the main issue came from me having a brand, Osfit Torsion Bars, and then using influencers to promote the product as a part of our marketing mix. But the issue was, was that there was no way for me to verify the influencer's ability to deliver on their pitch. And, and if I wanted to verify, I had to use a third-party tool that generally cost me a lot of money. And it just didn't really add up. It was kind of like, why should I have to pay for this when I'm going to be paying for the influencer and, and I'm paying to verify their ability to deliver? It's kind of like asking your future boss for them to supply your resume. <laughs> it's a bit weird. <laughs> I love so that's why we came up with it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love a good origin story. One where you've all right, I was doing a business, I had another business, fitness, was it torsion yep. bars, trying to yes, do influencer yeah. marketing, and then you went, hang on, there's something really wrong with the way this is done. And now you've got probably a bigger and main focus business that you've built out of that. Oh, it was it was so funny as well because I thought about it the first time we did influence marketing and I'm like, hold up, like these guys have got a hundred thousand followers, like that's amazing. It's a huge audience. But I'm like, how can we verify this? Like how many are we reaching? Because we expect a percentage of those to, I guess, see the media, then a percentage of those to engage with it, then a percentage of those to click through, and then a percentage of those to convert. So we needed to know how how big of a, a pool of reach we needed. So I thought about it for ages and actually I went back to my finance director and I'm like, who with Ausfit? And I was like, you know what? I think this little idea over here, like this is actually pretty good. And he's just like, no, not happening. And I'm like, come on. I'm like, I need some money. <laughs> and I'm like, but we, he's like, no, we've got this other business that's taking up like 10 hours every day. So not going to happen. And back to him six months later and I'm like still there. And he's like, right, let's have a look. So it's pretty funny. So let's just dig in a little bit. So we're talking about, when we're talking influencer, we're we talking Instagram only or is it other platforms as well? Instagram at the moment, we bring on other platforms in the next couple of months, which is pretty exciting. Okay. So when we're talking about verified information, what, what were the things that you really, I just want to dig down a little bit deeper on what were the things you really wanted to verify sure. when it came to, you know, your marketing and what, what you were missing? What, what are the things that you've really dragged out there and said, okay, if I'm going to check out someone's details, what am I looking at? Are, they, are you looking at fake profiles? You're looking at location, looking at engagement, all of the above and more. Yes, essentially it was how we categorized them was we put influencers into three categories, essentially, whether they're an expert or a celebrity. And then obviously you're using them for their name and their status within the community. 
The second were content creators, then your ability, you're verifying their ability to essentially use a camera, really, and how creative they can be. And then the third and the one that was really relevant to us was more of the traditional sense, I guess, which we refer to as the social publisher, because it's essentially what they are, social publishing houses, I guess. So we were looking at their ability for reach. So like a billboard, like in any advertisement, you're paying for the reach. So we needed to verify how many they were reaching, not followers, because that obviously includes those fake accounts, the bot accounts. Like I think my mom had Instagram at one point and she doesn't have it anymore, but she <laughs> still probably follows all those people. Who knows? But there was so much fraud around that, especially around the followers, but also the engagement. It's still common to see accounts buy likes. That still happens. So we, ne- we needed to verify how many people were reaching because that's essentially what our tradable metric was. That's what we're paying these for, paying, paying the influencer for. So we need to make sure that they were they, they could deliver on what, we, what we're investing in. Right. Is how you do that, is it is a secret source that you can't reveal or is there some specific things that you look at when you're looking about what the reach is going to be? Or do you get right into their accounts and actually log in and, and take a look at everything? No, there's certainly no secret source. And I think we're probably one of the handful of companies that, that don't have one. We're very straight up, very upfront. We don't use artificial intelligence or machine learning or anything like that, image recognition. And honestly, the reason why we don't is because we don't need to. You might recall the, the Cambridge Analytica scandal that happened kind of August last year. And what happened with Instagram and Facebook specifically at that stage was that all the third parties that had direct access to Instagram and Facebook's API to pull 100% accurate data were essentially kicked off. Facebook went through a pretty stringent security process where they had to review who had access to their data and their users' data and what they were using it for. So what they did is they kicked everybody off and said, look, we're going to get rid of the old API. We're going to bring in a new one. We need everybody who was using it and who intends to use the new API to justify the reasons why, put forward a business case, and essentially look at what their intentions for use of the data. So we went through that process. It took about eight weeks. And we came out on the other end and it was all successful. It was great. So that provided us with a, a direct link with Instagram. So we worked closely with them to provide statistics to the influencer. Q83 absolutely champions the influence. We don't blacklist any talent or anything like that. We just provide them the tools to professionalize their business and move away from sharing of screenshots and kind of unvalidated reporting. Yeah, it's so much more professional than, yeah, then here's a screenshot of something I did and here's a screenshot of the back yeah. end of my stats. <laughs> so Oh, so true, so true. Yeah. So I'm curious now because because you've mentioned like there's two sides of this to start with. You've got influencers and then you've got potentially brands. But then I guess you've also got agencies and other models. So who is your target persona customer? Like or are both sides of this your customer? Yeah, we're both sides. So we provide tools to influencers themselves or social publishers, as we like to call them, because they've really met an influencer likes to be called an influencer. (laughs) We also, and assuming that they're unmanaged, we also provide tools to talent agencies. Obviously, they're the ones that are really having to correlate all of the screenshots from their roster of talent and then share it with whoever's relevant in the pitch phase. And then we provide them with the tools to obviously report on that branded content for the campaign as well. But then, yeah, we we do have tools for agencies to streamline the sharing of the value before in the media kit, then also the reporting. And then we do have tools for brands to, uh, to kind of manage ambassadors and stuff as well, which is really cool. Great. So yeah, it is quite split. But if I have to pick one, it's absolutely the, the talent side whether they're managed to an agency or whether they're 
direct where they represent themselves essentially right now so i often when i deal with a, a startup or a company and they've got a, a marketplace-esque style setup i often sort of say look just pick one side like pick one that's your customer because the other side is probably going to be your product but from what you've said there because you've got both actually what you're doing is you're selling a tool set it's not a marketplace really where you know influencers are finding brands and brands finding influence as much as it is a tool set that you're they're buying and if i've understood that correctly that's how you're able to have customers that would if it was a marketplace business which is where you'd be trading data between them have i got that right yeah. you've got a tool set that you're selling and yeah, the fact absolutely. that they use it differently is how you're able yeah. to have different customers exactly yeah so in in the uk we, we actually do more business in the uk than what we do here in australia now we're only 12 months old but a lot of that came from it's a more mature market but what we learned over there was that for marketplace models and anything where you're bringing the sell side and the buy side especially in influence marketing together and the platform was essentially clipping the ticket on that transaction and the t's and c's were very much in favor of the platform when we look at like ip rights content usage all of the above it was all it was very murky waters and a lot of the market lost trust in platforms. So we absolutely are not a marketplace. We position ourselves as being a communications tool because the biggest thing that needs fixing when it comes to efficiencies in this industry is the way the value is shared pre-campaign, obviously it's screenshots now, and then post-campaign to report on the on the campaign, screenshots again. So we're absolutely a communications tool. I love that. And I think, look, it's an important lesson for anyone looking at their business is you have steered away from the marketplace, even though on face value, when I first looked at it, looked at your business, I'm thinking, oh, it's a marketplace, you know, it's an influencer marketplace, but you know, and- We better fix that then. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I think it's a, well, when I say it's the first thing, it's, we all do it, right? When we, we look at a business, we look at anything, the first thing we try to do is put you in a pigeonhole so i grab you and go oh that's what oh, you absolutely. are yeah and that's why very the true. positioning is so important and how you sculpt that so i think you you've articulated there very clearly that it's it's about tools is that yes does that, has that created enough clean space for you in the market so that in a conversation like this or, or quicker than this hopefully someone looks and goes oh it's not a marketplace it's a suite of tools that i can use is that the key thing you're using to position yourself against the other what are predominantly marketplace focused influencer solutions Yes, yeah, definitely. I think, and, and I completely understand why you would have thought it was a marketplace because there is a lot of platforms out there that position themselves as just that. So as soon as you see influencer and or influencer marketing written on any website and it's and it's a, a platform that you can log into, you're going to assume it's a marketplace straight away because there's just so many exist. So, but yes, we, we've absolutely positioned ourselves just to be recognized as a comms tool. That's it. That's great. And you're a global from day one. I mean, you said you do more business in the UK. So, you know, did that happen by accident or was it sort of manufactured that way? Or was it a case you just went, here, world, we're here. <laughs> Whoever comes to us first is our customer base. <laughs> No, it was, it was actually quite quite a funny story and I'll, I'll shorten it down as much as I can. But we were, uh, I was in the office and we had a, we just launched our website. We just set up our contact us form and Jeremy, our head of dev was sitting there and he, and I was sitting in front of my computer with my emails open and he would send through a contact form, a test one. And I would receive it and I'm like, sweet, it's working. It's great. And then another one came through and I looked at Jeremy and I'm like, did you do another test? And he said, no. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. I had a look and it was, the email address was .co.uk. And anyway, it turned out to be News UK were looking to launch an influencer marketing offering. Obviously, they were getting a lot of campaigns came, coming through, obviously, a lot of advertising campaigns. But they could have created them to be, I guess, integrated campaigns to include an influencer offering as well. So long story short, The Fifth was born, which is an influencer marketing agency that's solely owned by News UK, but has obviously inroads into all the mastheads of News UK. So it's quite broad if you're looking at doing influencer marketing, but you want to do some cross promotions through those other titles. So it's quite powerful. 
Capital. And at the time, Oliver Lewis, who's the MD there, was reaching out to every platform under the sun to see what their offering was and to see how they could add value and how they were different. And anyway, so he emailed us. We would have been on page 50 of Google, I think. So I don't know how he found us. And I didn't know who he was at that point. So I rocked up to the news building at London Bridge Road, or massive building, very fancy. And I was uh, just on the way to the airport. So I had my suitcase in tow and I thought he was just from a small company. And anyway, so we met them and he loved the platform, loved the idea, loved how it was different to everything else in the market. But also at that time, we would be looking at probably September last year, maybe a little bit earlier than that actually, probably August. And we would have been one only, geez, one or two companies globally that had the API access directly to Insta. So even now, I think we're only one of a handful of companies that have the full suite access to the API. So it was a huge differentiator for them. It also allowed them to provide their brands and all their clients with real-time updates as the campaign's live rather than getting those screenshots and reporting on the campaign after it's finished or you can't adjust things to, I guess, uh, make it perform a little bit better if it is starting to have a bit of a low period or it's, or it's not performing as expected. So that opened up a huge amount of opportunity for us in the UK and Europe. So we had a, a UK-Europe exclusivity for some of our tools in the UK with the fifth. So that's why we spend a lot of our time over there. That's great. I love the story. I love that, you know, you, you're doing the testing and the lead comes through and it's, oh, it's great. <laughs> turns out to be this huge lead and you've got no real idea. And you're like, we're on page, like, how did you find? But yeah, they're often the uh, ones that are. We, we still jo- joke about it now. Every time somebody asks the question, like I, I just got back from eight weeks over in London and the question got asked a, a couple of times there. And yeah, we, I still look at Ollie and I'm like, man, I have no idea how you found us. But, and he's like, I don't know either, honestly. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So you speak there a lot about the, and you've spoken a lot about the Instagram API, and that's obviously created a fantastic little moat for your business yes. where, you know, you've got it, other people don't. So that's that's great. And it's given you the ability to, to grow and start to scale. On the flip side, you know, do you worry about the fact that you are, you know, platform dependent in so much that, you know, Facebook's not someone who, you know, they'll still off Snapchat. So, you know, they're going to, yeah. they're going to look at, you know, Q83. They're going to have no qualms stealing what you're doing. Absolutely. Do you worry about that? And how do you, not how do you sleep at night, yeah. but how do you, I guess, plan for maybe an eventuality where Instagram slash Facebook just start to launch more and more tools that eat away at what your business does? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that they definitely need to create more tools for their creators. They're, they're certainly way behind the other platforms when it comes to that. So YouTube has a, an amazing suite. And obviously, the creative studio that Facebook and Instagram launched is amazing. And it creates so many tools. And as we can see now with the paid partnership coming through on Insta, that that's really starting to drive people. I'm not sure if you noticed, but if you do a post on Instagram now, and if you just hashtag ad or sponsored, it'll actually flag something and a little pop up will say, it looks like this is paid content, would you like to go through and put it through as a paid partnership and then tag that brand in it? So that will definitely continue to rise and Facebook and and Insta will definitely continue down the path of pushing any branded content on their platform through the paid partnership portal and the creator studio, obviously, because they need to make money on it as well. It makes sense. And it'd be pretty crazy to think that's not going to happen. But from our point of view, we we mark their homework in a way as well from the influencer's point of view. And then we also provide them tools to link the other channels. So if I'm an influencer on YouTube and Insta and Facebook and Twitch, well, then by the end of next month, you'll be able to create a media kit from all different platforms. So that's the way we mitigate that from kind of happening. 
because they'll obviously, if Instagram does media kits, they can only do Instagram media kits. I highly doubt Google's going to provide them access to their API too. Yeah, I think it's a perfect strategy. It's yeah. I was just helping someone put Facebook pixels using Google Tag Manager. It doesn't really matter what they are. Yeah. The point is Google Tag Manager accommodates all these things. But when it comes to Facebook, they're like, Facebook, who, what? Who is this Facebook thing you speak of? You know, so yeah. the, <laughs> yeah. those two enterprises <laughs> are probably never going to play nicely together. No. Great. Definitely not. Anthony, I'm keen to, I mean, we, we know how you won your, your first, well, you know how we, you met your first lead from the, um, yes. the the brand or the platform point of view, but I'm keen to know how you sort of hustled two, three, five, 50, 100 after that. What was your path to market? Because look, I mean, obviously influencer marketing is a path to market for some brands, but I can't imagine that's how you launched your business and grew it. So I'd love to know, or maybe it is, but I'd love to know how you hustled two through to whatever it is now, number of customers in such a short period of time, I should say as well. Yeah, for sure. So we're actually really just still building it. We've done a little bit of marketing. We haven't hit critical mass yet. We haven't actually pushed or advertised the product yet, which is really frustrating, but it's also really exciting because we have refined it. And there is always that point of stop being a perfectionist and just get it done. Like you'll learn the lessons along the way, which I learned with OzFit. But this is absolutely really key for us to really push out, I guess, prolong it, really refine the product. And then we launch again. So we've obviously been around for about 16 months now but if you looked at the product what it was when we first went to market we're just way too early and it's chalk and cheese now so we we kick off a pretty big global marketing campaign on the 5th of january which is really exciting so that'll that'll be it but at the moment it's just been word of mouth honestly oh really you're not even like outreaching to influencers and sort of pitching your wares you're not sort of hustling in any way like that it's just it is just word of mouth yeah, that's that's it. In, in the early days, so it's early days, I say about six months ago, we did have a couple of sales guys and they were reaching out to talent agencies, to brands, to agencies. And we, we actually put a stop to it because we realized that the platform is evolving so quickly. And what we showed them on meeting one is so different to what it is now. We're like, we just need to hold it until we, we finish the, the refinement, finish the build. And then we go back and be like, all right, guys, we're done. The house is built. What do you want? <laughs> but at the same time, it's been really cool because we essentially position ourselves. We, we have an in-house tech team here in, in Sydney. So it's everything's done inside. We, we push sprints every fortnight. And all of our users on the buy side, so the agencies and the brands, if they have any requests, they simply just send us an email or put through it on the intercom. And they're like, hey, guys, this is really cool. But could we add this graph here or something? We're like, yeah, sure, we'll build that in next sprint. So we've become kind of like the, the agency's in-house outsource tech team in a way. Yeah, I've met so many so many startups that are built that way, where they're basically building products for clients, almost like service. Mm-hmm. And but what they're building at the end is a product, and eventually they get it right, and they go, okay, now we've been paid for servicing you. Now we've got a product I can sell it at scale. So yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I'm keen just to go back to the propagation a little bit there, because you, you know you're talking about word of mouth. So just the mechanics of how that's flowing yeah. for you is this a case of influencers all hang out together and they go oh you should use this or is it a case of influencers using your data sheets and that's informing brands or is it a case that brands are driving influencers into you what, what is it that's making this viral word of mouth happen for you so at the moment our focus has been on talent agencies and and some on influencers but it, it's talent agencies are the ones that really need the efficiencies and, and a, a bit more streamlined communications between the brands and then reporting as well. So that's been our focus. So our media kits that get sent out and which can be customized by the agent has a bit of a footer that says it's all white labeled. So it looks like it's the agencies and it looks really nice. And then on the footer, it just has, this is a QED3 report or QED3 media kit, learn more. And 
from a brand's point of view, receiving this rather than screenshots. And these are dynamic live links. So that links directly to their Instagram insights. They are expire every 72 hours just for security. But at the same time, they can they update every every hour, which is pretty cool. So from a brand's point of view, receiving that rather than 50 screenshots or even three screenshots, which are unverified, they don't know how old they are, is just utopia. So they obviously shared around the office being like, wow, these guys just sent through this. Look how professional they are. And then from a reporting point of view, they don't have to wait for the campaign to be live for 10 days to then take the screenshot. And then that's a, a point in time of the performance of the branded content. The agency then just, as soon as that last piece of content goes live, whether it's a story or a in the grid, anything in, in, in the feed, they can select it, they can report on it, send it through 30 seconds later, and they can see the report and the report will update in real time. And there's no waiting anymore so essentially we, we save a couple of talent agencies about three days in, when it comes to reporting uh, which is pretty cool and they're getting all that value through the report yeah and the, the report yeah. at the bottom has that little breadcrumb that allows them to go yep. oh this is where it's coming from i need to do Absolutely. this as well hence exactly. the, the viral nature of it kicks off yeah i love that that's well i mean that goes back to you know and, and so many businesses have launched like that the, the classic example is when google search powered yahoo and it said powered yeah. by google and everyone eventually just went well why am i going to yahoo for search if it's yeah. powered why by google oh let's go to google yeah yeah very so true. Oh, very i love true. that again look another great lesson for anyone who, who's working their business just dropping those breadcrumbs that allow people to track back and work out how something was done had so much value and in, you know you mentioned intercom there in the same answer and, and that's something that they do like yeah. even the highest enterprise levels of intercom still have that powered by intercom on there so that people yeah, see that right. intercom yeah. is that standard so yes. yeah makes yeah. a lot of makes a lot of sense yeah and it's, it's worked really well yeah I, well obviously <laughs> yeah <laughs> So Anthony, I'm really keen to get your views on where you see influencer marketing moving in the year 2020. Yeah, so definitely going to be professionalized, I think. Over the last couple of years, you've seen a lot of a lot of the focus, tabloids, panels, keynotes, everybody's been speaking around fake followers, who's fake, who's real, all that kind of stuff and everything in between. But I think over the next 12 months, we're going to focus or we're going to see the market shift into, okay, influencers aren't going anywhere. They're here to stay. Like, I guess when, when we shifted from print to digital and everyone thought that was going to last a little bit, but obviously people still use websites. <laughs> yeah. And then we've gone into professionalizing. So understanding that it's going to stay, we need to figure out, okay, how can we create professional ways that value can be shared, such as the media kits and then the reporting, as well as globalized standards on, on advertising as well. Um, we see AIMCO has just launched as well, which I sit on the council for, which is the Australian Influencer Marketing Council. And that's essentially there for ad standards, but also best practices in vetting. So conducting due diligence based on each campaign, as well as reporting. So we see a lot of not only countries, but even a lot of agencies report in different ways. So people calculate engagement differently. I had a brand recently actually contact me because they said that the agency that they were using wasn't without calculating engagement quite strangely and i'm like okay how, how are they doing it I'm like well they've got the total followers divided by the number of likes comments saves and story views to come up with a number of engagement and i'm like hold up story it's a completely different kind of media type so it was a bit strange so i think over the next 12 months we'll see professionalized consistencies will come in across the board on even how to calculate engagement or what's expected from a sell site to a buy site in sharing the value but also with the with the reporting as well 
And it makes sense. It closes that loop, like you said, back to the real world and traditional media where circulation numbers were important, you know? So you would, yeah, if you wanted to buy magazine ads, how many subscribers did you have? How many news agency sales? How many were actually just distributed off to dentists and doctors, you know, where they were never actually read? And yeah. all these kind of things became important. And that's how media buying agencies made their decisions. And so if you can provide that level of diligence and trust so that you can become part of a media buy that changes the game completely it goes from a discretionary hey let's throw a few bucks at an influencer to actually let's just put influencers into our media mix and it'll become and and that's the exciting thing right when i when i look at big brand media buys and you know they they allocate money across different mediums and sort of social is this weird line where you're not quite sure where it is. But if you can provide yes. real metrics, real reach, real engagement, then all of a sudden you get a slice of that top line media budget. And that's that's where the big money is, right? That's where they carve it up at the beginning and say, all right, we're going to spend a million dollars this month. What are we going to spend it on? You need yep. to have some stats. Yep. You need to have some kind of reach to make that work. Yeah, I, I, I think, well, Absolutely. you know a lot more than yeah. me, but it, make, it makes sense to me. So hey, 2020 looks like it's all planned out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's exactly right. But if you, in, and with the digital side, they went, digital went through the same, the same issues, but it took 20 years to, to go through and actually kind of refine where it is now. Like I think it was 99, I think it was 99, maybe later. I think pretty sure it was 99 when viewability came out from IAB. So where they started to class an ad being viewable as more than 50% on screen for longer than a second, not just a website hit. And that rocked digital kind of overnight. So now we're seeing the same thing, which is changing it from followers to actual reach. So how many of those people are you actually reaching? It's the same thing. We just don't need to recreate the wheel. We take lessons learned of 20 years of digital and bring it into into our influencer marketing. And I think a lot of the people, a lot of, a lot of people who probably listen to this thing will probably say that no influencers are different because it's more peer-to-peer recommendations. And it's like, that's, that's absolutely true, but that's if they have position within the community where they want to be, where they hold some sort of, I guess, celebrity status or something like that. Not that they're just a advertising channel where we see the social publishers arm come into it. You've also got your obviously content creators and then your celebrities and experts that do obviously naturally cross over. That obviously happens quite a lot. But I think it's really important that we we do separate them out into those three. That's great. So Anthony, if people want to follow you, engage with the brand, sign up, test it, whatever they need to do, what are the digital locations to best find you and, you know, Q83? Yeah, for sure. So it's just Q83.com. So Q-83.com. I'm on Instagram, anthony.richard, which is R-I-C-H-A, and on LinkedIn, which is the same, Anthony Richardson. Fantastic. And if brands want to sort of get an idea, when I say brands, you know, that's people who are mostly listening to this have got their own business and they're thinking, yeah. oh, I'm not sure how I could use it. What's What are they going to get if they go to the website? What's the what's the thing they're going to want to sign up to and, and take a look at first to sort of see the value that you offer? Yeah, definitely. So, so they, um, they will sign up as a brand. You get 30 days free. There's no contracts. A brand subscription is $149 a month, and that, that's the top tier, and it goes down to $34 a month. We didn't want it to break the bank. We need it to be, I guess, accessible as well. And how you would use it essentially creates your dashboard. You can link your own brand handle, which is pretty cool. So you can actually see all the, all the stats and the data come through for your own brand and report on that. And if you, if you manage ambassadors, you can keep track of if they're meeting their obligated posting frequency, what they're posting, the performance of the stats. And in the next month, you'll actually be able to connect your Google through. So if you do use ambassadors that have coupons, you'll be able to track it straight through. And it will just show you this person has sold however many dollars worth of product in, in this reporting period. So it shows you straight away. And just to touch on the on the that main kind of media buy that we're just touching on is that it also shows you what works in the account and what doesn't work in the account, which is really important because 
as we touched on, a lot of people see the social side of it being like, oh, if there's any money left over, we'll throw some money at social. But we actually provide more information than what you get from digital, which is really cool. Because if you look at all prints, if you look at a billboard, if you look at a website, they're not going to give you the information of what media works on this account, whether it's the format, so it works on that website. So that could be the difference between video versus imagery, photo, or it could be the color palette, like black and white versus color. So it's quite interesting. So we actually look at the last 100 posts of each influencer's account, and we push up the, the top 12 performing and the top and the lowest 12 performing. And it's really interesting because there's always consistency. And it's amazing the stats that are, that are different. In it. We did a test for OzFit actually with, with a health and fitness influencer. And we spent the money, created the video, and we pushed the video live. We reached 13,000 reach. And I think we had about 50 saves or something on it. A few engagements, but more importantly, not many sales. And then when we, because it was a test, we knew what we had to do to fix it. We realized that video just didn't work on that guy's audience. So you can absolutely curate the, the content for the, for the brand and within its guidelines and then curate for the campaign objectives. But nobody ever curates for the audience that you're going to show it to. So for this particular influencer, it was all outdoors, health and fitness, and it was imagery. So it was all photos. So we went and took a photo of it. He posted it. We reached 300,000 uniques. We had 1,600 saves and we had dollars coming through the door. We had sales. It was great, but it just came down to the kind of imagery it was. That was it the format of it oh look it makes complete sense to me i know yeah. no matter how much i try i'm way too ugly for video and that's why i do <laughs> podcasts <laughs> so the, the medium of the audience counts and, and the other thing too is <laughs> my my audience are always too busy so i can guarantee that somebody right now is puffing and sweating while they're doing their exercise and somebody else is driving and somebody else is sitting in a train they're not they're not yep. listening to you know my podcast because that's what they want to listen to at the time and they drop everything else they do it because they're doing something else that's mindless so yeah. you know if you if you're thinking about what anthony just said picture where you are now and the fact that you're doing something else while we say this and that's exactly <laughs> why the medium works with particular talent yeah that's great Definitely. all right anthony well look thank you so much for your time it's been great chatting with you i really did love the talk about the marketplace or the lack of marketplace and how it's about tools because i yeah. think that's just such a good lesson for people to take into their businesses about how to address something the way everyone else has but open it up and make everyone your customer so i thought that was great advice so yeah, thanks so much for your time thanks, and look forward to seeing the journey when you launch beginning of january next year i really appreciate it thanks for having me thanks for listening to this week's episode I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, follow me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking to with you next week.